0: what's going on my name is michelle carter aka shot diva and welcome to hey cuz the podcast where my cousin london aka Romy, the homie and i we talk about life and the lessons we've learned along the way there is nothing like talking to your cousin enjoy the show hey cuz hey cuz what's going (laughs) on (laughs) I'm good how are you
1: I'm chilling just uh you know up everybody sleep in the house I'm uh that that California time you know yeah
0: well let's introduce ourselves because we forgot last time we just got to talking so my name is Michelle Carter
1: and I'm London McBride also known as Romy A.K.A. okay And welcome Romy. to
0: the um, Hey Cuts, the podcast. And um, we are glad that you all are joining us today. So, you know, we're of to get into the swing of things and really uh, get used to our podcast flow, but we get on here and get to talking. And I'm like, dang, we got to start pressing record until we get <laughs> on because we be talking and having some good stuff. But then now we're like, oh, dang, how are we going to redo that?
1: No, now <laughs> you, you got to do a whole nother podcast for stuff that we say before the podcast
0: <laughs> right like that is, we just need to add that like before the podcast
1: <laughs> yeah conversations
0: yeah. right we might have to do that for real Oh, that is. but funny. um so what we was talking about before we press record was uh so we you know we talked about how my cousin got all these kids over there right <laughs> and uh, <laughs> how words that we said growing up versus how they say it growing up so what word or phrase that you were saying that your kids was like um uh, excuse me dad I'm yeah
1: gonna... yeah so they give me all the time like if I use some 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 of their jargon now and uh I was saying so I was talking to my oldest and I was saying I was using the word cap but I was using it how we use it like yeah. I said something to him, and I was—it sounded like I was, like I was basically bagging or, or you know, scoring yeah. on them, but I wasn't. So I was like, "No cap," <laughs> and everybody <laughs> looked at me like, like I said something bad. <laughs> Even my yeah. wife, she was like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, "I said no cap. Like I'm not talking about him I'm just, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bagging on them. I'm not yeah. scoring on them." And they was like, "It's That's almost not like how you say works. like
0: no disrespect, mm-hmm. but Yeah,
1: yeah." <laughs> Yeah, there's like that's not how that works, Dan. I'm like, okay, never mind.
0: I know. My um my goddaughter sitting over here just said the same thing. She was like, No caps mean like no lying. Is that what you said? She said it means no lying. But no to lying. us be like like uh nah I ain't trying to uh no offense or you know, no yeah, disrespect. No
1: I ain't bagging like, I'm like we cool. No cap like no cap means I'm
0: not lying, but cap means lying. Like you're cap be lying. Okay, you no be lying. cap is no lying but cap is lying
1: so if you say but like you know like, what I, wrongly, essentially
0: i feel like it's really saying the same thing because even though y'all saying lying no lying i'm like i just didn't score on you but i did score on you yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's true it's like almost that's pretty true. much the same thing so you can use them interchangeably yeah, you um can. it just it's like okay you let me know you're not lying you lying are you joking or not joking
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, they looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, nah, I'm like, I said this right. Y'all just crazy. (laughs)
0: Like, y'all wrong. (laughs) Y'all wrong. You all jive
1: turkeys. Yeah, jive
0: turkeys. I know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, acting up.
0: That is so funny.
1: So crazy. I'm just, I can't keep up. I just can't keep up. I got to keep up, but I can't keep up. Right.
0: They
1: slipped up stuff stuff past me if if I don't, uh, if I don't get up on game, they, yeah, they be saying stuff around Man. me have me looking like a fool.
0: <laughs> right? You remember when, um, back in the day when um, like looking like a mug came out? Yeah. And I remember I got in trouble because my mom was like, you don't even know what mug mean. I'm like, what you talking about? And then she was like, mug mean like the MF word? I'm like, no, it don't. And she was like, in our days it did. <laughs> and I'm like, yep. dang, I guess it is. We just never just say it like that, but okay. Oh, yeah, I still said
1: right. it though. This is not around my Yeah, mama. I know, right? But <laughs> like, I know what I'm
0: talking to her. about. To her, I'm cussing, right?
1: Yep, yep, yep. Walk oh. in the house,
0: be like, Oh, I'm hungry like a mug.
1: Yeah, but now when you like, say it, it's
0: interchangeable. You can pretty much
1: mean it the is. same thing. It is. It, <laughs> is, it is. That's so funny. I remember that too. They'd be like, Wait, hey, 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 you stop that. <laughs> like, yep. what I do? I'm
0: looking like, at what you say nothing like everybody says what you talking about okay yeah well funny stuff yes a mess well we should let's go ahead and get started with our podcast today because this one's on you
1: yeah 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 you leading this one today i I get to i get to interview you so you get to tell me about you because you know growing up like we you know you said it best like sometimes we don't we just we grow up and we grow so fast and it's like we don't even think about like uh, a lot of the things that like you might have gone through that just to get to where you are like we don't think about the cousin growing up we just like we see each other we're like hey what's been up like it's almost like, yeah, uh, yeah. we just we forget all that part that that part that goes through like the stuff you went through like you know. Where'd you go to school? Like, what neighborhood you grow up in? Stuff like that. Like, we forget all about that stuff. And and because we, I think as kids too, and just us, we're just more focused on the the individual. Um, and and it's crazy because not really even the journey until it seemed like you get older. You be like, what
0: all stuff did you do?
1: exactly because it's like
0: i know you we spend time together but i think we just because when we see each other we just live in the moment right we live in the moment but then there's so many other moments i'm not around for that i don't know and then you think about my whole way cousin what all have you done in your life i was on someone this other day too when at church like i've been knowing half of the people at my church for like 20 plus years but i can tell you what no one does for a living
1: that's crazy right
0: and she's looking up at me like what? Like I have no idea what they do for a living. And I'm like, someone's like, yeah, because you know so-and-so does XMLB. I'm like, who's so-and-so? So-and-so in church. I'm like, they do what? Like really? <laughs> I was I'm gonna start asking people. I'm like, listen, yeah, I'm horrible. Like, what so what tell me more about you? Even though I know yeah, you for 20 right? plus years. Like
1: what, what And, what and, and then they'll look at you like you are crazy, like you don't know. Like, nah, I don't know. It's like Tommy on, on Martin. Be like,
0: Tommy ain't got no job. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy be like, I do have a job. And like, no, you don't. You ain't never no, you at you work.
1: <laughs> 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 That's how it is. Because like you said, we live in the moment. And it's like, yeah, we don't even don't even think about the, the the details but yeah no you know what so that that's that's what we talking about today you interviewed me uh the other day so now it's my turn to interview you yeah so are you ready mm-hmm.
0: i'm ready right,
1: you get to tell the world the world yeah the world yes <laughs> all right yes so. go
0: ahead and make this podcast global cousin
1: yes yes <laughs> the world <Gonna> be global <laughs> all right so yes. here we go um first thing Tell me about yourself. Jess, where were you? Where were you born?
0: Well, you know, I was born in San Jose, California. I'm a Cali girl, but I was raised in Texas. Um, Because it's funny because back in the day, I didn't think about it. And you didn't think about accents when you were little. And I didn't know why everybody made fun of me when I moved to Texas permanently in third grade. And they all always said that I talk funny. And I'm like, I don't talk funny. Like, what are you talking about? I sound like y'all. And then a few years ago, daddy was playing those home videos. And I'm like, daddy, who's that little white girl talking in the background? Sound <laughs> like a valley girl. My daddy said, oh, excuse me, that's you. I'm like, oh, man. Now I know why they was making fun of me. I'm like, daddy, <laughs> daddy, daddy. <laughs> um, what, what, are we going go to go? I'm like, oh my goodness. I had no idea. But anyways, I did not know, but I straight up sound like a valley girl. But, um, but now I got that Texas twang on me just a little oh, yeah, bit, you do. but still today people don't know where I'm from. They're like, where are you from? Like, I can't catch your accent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But um, so I was born in San Jose, California, raised in Texas. Um, So we kind of went back and forth because I don't know if I said this on the podcast earlier. My dad played football for the San Francisco 49ers for nine years from 84 to 93. And um, we went back and forth from Texas, California because my dad is from Dallas, Texas. So we came in Dallas in the off season and then we was in um, Cali for the football season. And so around third grade, when my dad retired, we moved to Texas permanently and we've been here ever since.
1: That's crazy. So when you just said around third grade, he retired. Um, just thinking about that, that's that's wild. third grade he retired that was my you said 93
0: yeah I'm
1: I'm just kind of dating myself that was that was my that was my junior junior year of high school and I think that year he actually came out to see me practice for the all-star game yeah 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 so that was yeah because I remember they went to
0: go see you and of course he left us at home and I'm like you about to go see Romy and not take
1: us that's wow so how was it how was it growing up um you know the child of a of a of an NFL player and back in those days like the Niners were the business like that's yeah. like cuz what he won 3 Super Bowls at that three time so Super they were balls. they yeah. were at the height of their career like the Niners yeah. was a team to want to be on like just everything so how was it like growing up in that kind of I guess in that in that in that spotlight that's being on on you and the whole family
0: For us, it was like wet spotlight. Because what people don't understand, my dad is very antisocial. Well, you know my daddy. (laughs) So Rami calls my dad Uncle Mike. So he, like, my dad could care less about people, right? He only had to fool people if he have to. Um, But he'll fool with his family. So that's what he cared about. So my dad went home, um, went to work and came home. That's what I knew. So my dad was always there. It wasn't like my dad was gone all the time and we never saw him, he was out late. Like, no, my dad went to practice and came home. Matter of fact, my dad was the dad who may have babysit other people's kids. When the mamas needed to go somewhere, they dropped them off at our house and then they're gone. And we're there with my daddy, right? So. So it was like so people like oh how was it I'm like my dad went to work and came home like everybody else so it wasn't a difference there were times where like we didn't go to a lot of events with my dad when we were young my dad really kept us separate from all of that because when I was little I was probably like two or three years old he took me to an event and um there was fans around and then he was signing um I'm making doing an autograph for someone signing something and he got separated from me like He looked down and he didn't see me right next to him. So my dad was like, shut it down, pause, everybody back away, where my child at? (laughs) And, you know, I was just kind of like in the mix, but my dad was like, that's when he knew, like, I can't, I'm not going to do this and have my kids around and something happened to my child because you don't respect my space and my child sitting right next to me. So my dad was very protective of us. So he only did events when he had to, and uh, he only took us to certain events because he did not want us to be in that way because fans don't care about your family which is which is sad like they don't they only want what they want from you and they'll go on they don't care that your baby is sitting right there and your baby could easily get stepped on or lost because you're trying to get an autograph so my dad didn't care about that so he was like you know i do what i have to and then if he don't have to then he's not he want to be at home
1: that's cool that's cool so do you think like just like uh having that attitude growing up because i mean you like are low-key as as well like do you think having that attitude is is uh is kind of forged out of like you not spending your time, a lot of your time in California that you would come back uh, to Texas. And does that feel like that made you grounded?
0: Um I I don't think it was that. I just think that's how my parents raised me. Um because when we came back to Texas people still was like oh that's Michael Carter because my dad's from Dallas he yeah. went to college here you know so he's known and then like the California um, 49ers versus um, the Cowboys was a big thing back then so everybody still knew but I know that when we came home to Texas was to be next to our family yeah, so cool. um, But the fact that my dad didn't care about all the extra stuff that came with him being a professional football player. He did his job and he came home, got his check and he came home. And so, because he operated that way, a lot of things aren't a big deal. Like, we, I got video with Roger Craig and Jerry Rice and all these people I know, but it's no big deal because to me, they're normal people.
1: And that's how you look at stuff. Yeah, and that's how you look at stuff. And I think that's like, I think that's cool because that's what made you. It seems what made you ground is because like you said, the foundation that you had uh, from, from your parents. So you come in, t- so you did school in Cali and then you came to Texas. What high school did you go to when you came to, junior high and high school did you go to?
0: Okay, so when I first moved to Texas permanently, I was still in third grade. So I went to a private, a Black Christian private school. We talked about a little bit earlier called Fellowship Christian Academy, which was a part of the church that we grew up in, oh, which is called okay. Oak Bible Fellowship with Pastor Tony Evans. So um, we went to the church and school at the same place. And then they only went to sixth grade. So when I graduated in sixth grade, it was only nine of us: eight girls what? and one boy.
1: Your school was <laughs> like my school. Right,
0: it was small. a small
1: school, yeah.
0: And so by the time um I went to junior high my parents were like, "Okay, do you want to go to Red Oak or do you want to go to the Soto?" Because at that moment Red Oak is really really white. The Soto at that time was like 65% white, I mean, 65% black, and it still has some white people there. It was kind of changing over. And then I, re- I used to have some issues with some girls at church. We ain't gonna talk about that. I'm but about my it. mama said, you're not going <laughs> to the Soto because if you go there, them girls already don't like you. You're gonna be fighting when you go to school with them. And I'm like, dang, I don't wanna go there. Cause now I just went from California where I'm at school with all these white people. And now I got to go to this black school. So I was kind of like, oh, this is cool. Like, I kinda want to stay in this. And then I had to go back to Red Oak. And then I'm like, you know, it was like, a, it was totally different because it's like this culture shock coming from an all white school, going to an all black Christian school. And then you get used to the all black Christian school. And now I got to go to an all white school. And so I'm like, well, you know, we'll make it work. So I went to Red Oak junior high, I went to Red Oak high school. So out of 315 of us who graduated in my senior class, 10 of us were black yeah <laughs> for real? Red Oak, for real, in my graduating class. So it wasn't that many black people. The circle was really, really small. And it's funny because when you, there was a difference between those who grew up in Red Oak and then those who came in from other places to Red Oak. And I remember my senior year, y'all, I had this history teacher and I, who likes history? Not a lot of people like history, right? At least not how they teach it. Okay. I like right. history too. I like history. I don't like history class. <laughs> Let me say that. Okay. I don't like history class. I don't watch the Discovery Channel. I watch documentaries all the time. I don't like history class, how they teach it. So it came down to the Black history chapter that was all of 15 pages, right? And um, I take the test. I don't have to study for this. I went to a private school that taught me all this plus more. So what you teach me in this textbook is nothing I ain't never heard before. I don't have to study for this. I take the test, I get a 100 right easy i should get a 100. matter of fact teacher you should expect me to get a 100. <laughs> but <laughs> but the teacher came to me she was like well um i want to talk to you about your test and i was like what's wrong did i fail i'm like i know i ain't failed that test she was like no but you got a 100. i was like oh like yes and she was like how did you get a 100. i know the answers she was like well the only person who ever made the highest score was Dominic and Dominic got a 98. I was like, Dominic grew up in Red Oak. He don't know black history. And I said that, I'm like, I know black history. How are you gonna tell me that I was wrong for getting a 100 on my test about black history and I'm one of two black kids in your class? And so she just kind of looked at me and she had to leave it alone. And so I remember talking to that same guy, his name was Dominic and I was like, Dominic, can you believe she did that? And she was like, what? And I'm like, man, I was like, how she gonna tell me and then I was like, man, I know about the black national anthem I know about this I say you know this this and this and he was like the black national who. I said. <gasps> <laughs> I said, you, Wait a you don't know lift every voice he was like what is that i said oh my god i said red oak has just brainwashed you i said you have no idea what lift every voice is and so i really like kind of like started talking to him about that stuff and i'm like bro like listen when we t- when we have black history month coming up this year i was like they need to sing lift every voice every day every week like there, we have a whole song, <laughs> right? So anyway, so that's how that's how white my high school was, and so wow. it was it was just weird and um, at times, and um, and having those situations. So going back and forth, I love the experience, but there, there's a difference in how you're viewed and the experiences you have. And so in light of today's climate, some of my high school friends was like, oh, you know, like we wasn't like that in Red Oak. I said, so you think? let me tell you about my experience at red oak what it was known if you wasn't the normal black person driving around red oak how you will get pulled over because they don't know your car i said so there's a totally different thing i said there's a we almost had a whole race war at school because we got some new kids that came into Red Oak and somebody called somebody the N word and they wasn't having it. And all the black people was like, what's up? <laughs> like one person was bad. Like we all have to band together cause we clearly yes. outnumbered, but we can't, we can't not, you know, finally we had to. And so that was the whole situation that had to get diffused. But a lot of the kids didn't know about those things. They want to wear. I said, when you live in your own bubble you don't see a lot of things. So anyway, I'm not going to went off subject just a little bit, but it was just <laughs> like, um, you know, you have to, um, I appreciate the experiences going back and forth. And sometimes you don't really realize everything until you have to go back and reflect. So going back and... I
1: think I lost you. Okay, go. You're cool. All right, because once you once you just froze, I just, I paused it. So it looks cool. Oh, okay, okay, because I'm like, oh man, listen, AT&T just decides to drop when it
0: wants to and it pops <laughs> back <laughs> up. And I'm like, you can't be doing me like that when I got <laughs> something to do.
1: So we back on. So a little technical difficulty, but it, it's okay. Um, so you were saying, um, just about your 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 high school, your high school life in, in Red Oak. So, do you think just because you was going back and forth and dealing with different cultures and things like that, and especially now because of the the climate, do you think that's kind of what 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 helped you be able to get get through it and understand it and and kind of have um, uh, kind of have like. A different lens and a different perspective. Cause you kinda you kinda went through both. You was you was in all black yeah. school and then you went to an all-white school and you got to see both sides. A lot of a lot of sides that people don't people don't see,
0: you know. Yeah. Um, I I did because going back and forth, when you're young, when you're little, you don't recognize the differences, right? You just know these are your friends, this is who you hang out with. But then when you get a little older, And you start realizing like, oh, there's a difference between these type of people and these type of people. And you start reading the cues that you're taught every single day about these people, right? And so, um, but when I got to Red Oak, I realized that I was one of very few. And then how curious everybody was of me because I was different. And I knew that a lot of their questions really were pure curiosity. Because if you've never been around someone who hair changes every two weeks, <laughs> you know you're gonna be like, "What just happened? Like your hair was just short and now it's long. So like your hair, like how do you get your hair grow like that? <laughs> oh, now your hair is curly, but it was straight yesterday. So what happened? So and they ask all these questions, but I knew they was really uh, like asking straight out of curiosity. Yeah. Um, I didn't. And then one thing about Reddick, I didn't have too many situations where I really had to worry about somebody coming at me sideways. Yeah. Um, in that way. Um, but I, it was like, I I learned how to kind of recognize, um, people and how they come at you. And I understand if you just don't know, you just don't know, and I don't mind talking to you about it because you'll never learn if you don't know if I don't tell you, or we don't have this discussion. So I think having that experience does give me the patience to have these conversations with people when they are really just asking out of pure curiosity and I don't take their question. an offense i think i said that right um because because of how they ask you know because sometimes some of their questions come off like why would you like how did you but if you don't know and you're not sure what to say but you have to just get your question out. i'd rather for you to ask me and be straight up with what you're trying to ask and we figure it out so i can get you the right answer and then i can tell you how to approach these situations with others
1: yeah yeah no that makes sense that makes perfect sense so along this time like when did you when did you get into when did you get into sports
0: i oh well i actually got into sports when i was in elementary school really um when we moved to texas permanently my parents like you gotta play a sport they put me in soccer your girl was out there trying to play i had on my hootie hoo glasses and i was the goalie Your girl got a big head, so I had to get the same glasses my mama had. Me and my mama had matching glasses. I couldn't believe it until I saw the pictures. I didn't know no better. And she was like, well, I had to get you glasses that fit your head. I'm like, thank you, mama. But anyway, so I'm out there trying to be the goalie. I got hit in the face one too many times with the ball. I'm like, mama, daddy, this ain't for your girl. What else can I do? Um, And so at the church, they had a basketball league, but it was all boys. And I'm like, well, I want to play basketball. And so they brought me out there to the boys practice. And some of the other girls was like, well, if Michelle practicing? Like I wanna play too. And so we actually got enough girls that were interested and they was like, well, all of them can't play on here with the boys team cause there was already a lot of boys playing. And so they created a girls team. And then we had a girls team, but guess what? We had no coach cause no one wanted to coach the girls. Oh. So my daddy was like, well, I am about to let my baby go out there with no coach and they can't have no team and she wanna play. So my dad was our basketball coach.
1: That's awesome
0: so he was our coach and we had a good time doing that like we we was cold you know for what we were you know a little private school we was good and uh so I enjoyed that so when I went to public school I continued to play basketball and then they got me in the track and field and um that's how my track career started they just asked me like hey you want to join the track team I'm like uh do I have to run they was like nope (laughs) all right cool whatever else you want me to try I'll try that
1: (laughs) and then it just uh it just went from there huh
0: yeah so i remember bringing my permissions up home to my dad and my dad was like um so who asked you which coach asked you like so they wanted to do what with who where i'm like dad can i join the team yes or no and he was like sure but you don't know what you're getting yourself into and so like it was true because i didn't know about my dad's track career um leading you know going into track and field because I grew yeah. up with my dad playing football and all his track stuff started in it started and ended in nineteen eighty four when he went to the Olympic Games and won silver. So I didn't know anything about that until after I got into track and field. So Wow really <laughs> did you know that though? Well you was old enough to know. Were you yeah. even did you watch it on TV?
1: I did. So it's okay. crazy because your dad came out uh to our house during the Olympics. So I yeah. got a picture, I got a picture of my little my little self sitting uh sitting on his lap in the in the uh garage. Yeah And um, it's in this in, in eighty four when he was there for the games.
0: Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, I wasn't so, born no. yet. Nope. <laughs> I
1: was nowhere
0: to be found. <laughs> <laughs> but look <laughs> right now I mean, <laughs> over no, here You did say that. <laughs> so um so that's, that's crazy. Cause like I had no idea, but he, my dad knew everybody else knew. So he didn't want me to do track and field because other people wanted me to do it because he did it. He wanted to make sure that I wanted to do it because I wanted to try it.
1: Yeah. And then you just, so you wanted to do it. And then next thing you know, it seems like it, it skyrocketed for you. What, what, how, how did you just, how did you decide that uh, this is what you wanted to do and you wanted to keep going?
0: well um i kind of started getting good at it when i was in like junior high and i remember going to junior olympics for the first year like you have summer track and you go to the junior olympics and we went to um seattle washington first of all i was excited because i'm like oh we get to go places like i like to travel (laughs) and so um We were there and I'm at the competition and I am so nervous. I don't think I've ever been as nervous as I was that day at my first Junior Olympic competition. It was kind of like drizzling because it's Seattle. And I was throwing. I remember warming up and my discuses were going all over the fence. They were everywhere (laughs) because I was just so nervous and I couldn't control my nerves. But then when I realized like these girls are not that much, they're not that much better than me. Cause at that time I was just doing standing throws and they were doing like a full glide across the ring, like using the whole ring. I was just doing like the simplest form and I came in fourth and fifth place. And, and I was just like, well, if I keep practicing, I get better. Like I can beat some of these people. And that's when I kind of started putting two and the two together. And then we kept going. Um, cause I enjoyed going to summer, um, summer, um, so I was about to say summer camp, but summer um summer track, because it gave you something to do all summer, and we get to travel. If you keep going to all these different levels, you get to travel. So by the time I got to 10th grade, I had my first international trip, and we went to Debrek Hungary. I'm 14 years old, going to Debrecen, Hungary with a group of a, a 14, 15, 16-year-olds, and we're out overseas for like a whole week. And I got an official USA uniform like it doesn't get any better than that right like it was just am- like awesome like over the years I just realized like, oh this is fun and I get to do this and I get to get the US uniform and I get to do this like oh I'm doing this this is fun I enjoy this
1: that's wow that's so crazy <laughs> so you get good at it you keep going when did you when did you decide to because you did the discus too so yeah. when did you decide that you was just gonna focus like solely on the shot put?
0: that's one of the biggest mistakes I should have never made (laughs) I should have kept going with both because I was actually good at both I spent more time with the shot than I did with discus um and I still threw like 189 feet and I practiced like twice a twice a week right and I'm like when I'm a professional I just I was just under the impression that you had to pick one yeah, And so I picked the one I was best at, but I should have kept going because, number one, that's more money in my pocket because I was going to be a two-event athlete. And I, I could have kept doing that because now I have nothing else to do and no other time but to train. But my dad and I, we weren't thinking really about that at first. We was like, well, let's just get your foot in the door and get you on the Olympic team first. Like, it was college was in 2007 okay my chances of making the olympic team in shot put was very high so why not just only focus on that and i thought i had to and that's something i do regret to this day that i should have kept doing both and i could have been that anomaly athlete who was good at both at a professional level yeah
1: Yeah. that's that's, that is wow i I didn't know that i i did not know that i just thought I just thought it was it was it was shot put from it was shot put from day one.
0: No, I've never done one without the other until after college. I've always done both.
1: That's crazy. So you you end up you graduate from high school, you have this you start off like uh, with this with this track career. Um, <laughs> you go to college now. Yeah. How, how was that? Cause uh, you got three different Texas schools' uh, rivals in your household. What? But, but, we have <laughs> we, we
0: more than that. So I, I ended up picking Texas. So first of all, I had a choice to go to any school that I wanted to go to. Yes, you could have. But yeah. I was picky because I seen some of these coaches out here and I'm like, I'm definitely not going to your school. And like, <laughs> I'm definitely not going over there. And then I went to Tennessee. I fell in love with Tennessee. And I'm like, uh-huh. I'm going to Tennessee. Tennessee Tennessee I was like Tennessee. oh that was the <laughs> so jam it was so I just knew I was going to Tennessee and then um after a while I had my letter of intent everything was perfect Tennessee it was and then Texas called Texas was like just come and visit us I'm like, I don't want to go to Texas that's down the street from my parents like I'm at home if I go to Austin I don't want to go to Austin but they kept calling and so we went and now keep in mind, at this time, I was 16 years old my senior year when I went on this visit. I wasn't even 17. I'm a year behind wow. everybody. Yeah. Because my mama just put me in school and they was like, oh, she's ready. Even though like by year, my when my birthday falls in October, I should have been a year later than I was. But they was like, yeah, she need to go to school. <laughs> I was very busy. Yeah. But, um and so i'm 16 years old on this visit i can't go to any parties right so we went bowling and went to the movies we had dinner at the coach's house but it was all fun to me like i like that stuff and so uh, i remember watching them practice and at the level these girls were practicing i'm like dang if i want to be good like this is where i need to go like i don't see no other athletes physically look like them the way they looked and i'm like if i want to be good this is where i have to go and so i cried on the day I had to uh, sign my letter because I was so set on Tennessee that I didn't want to have to tell the coaches that I changed my mind. Yeah. And so I was like sick. And I finally told her she was so hurt because they just knew I was going to Tennessee. because I told them, I'm like, this is it. I'm coming here. And then at the last minute, Texas came and swooped me up. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. It was like the hardest decision ever. But anyway, so I went to Texas. My dad went to SMU. My sister went to Texas Tech. I have an uncle that went to OU and an uncle that went to AM, my dad's brothers.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, <at laughs> rivalry time,
1: household.
0: Listen, but it's everybody <laughs> against me. Everybody yeah, hates on, on Texas. Everybody hate on Texas. Like, they all cheer for each other before they hear a tech cheer for Texas, but you know. I understand when we when you are the best, people just come for you at all the time, and Texas time. is just great. So I'm just used to the haters. It's okay, like <laughs> hate on me all you want. I'm we're still gonna shine and do our best. Even when we lose, we win. That's, okay? true. That's true.
1: That's true. Yeah, can't beat Texas. Texas, no joke. So you go there, and then when did you like and you realize that okay, this is it. This is the spot. This is where I need to be. Um, how was it how was that transition from high school to college now you're training in college with these you know NCAA athletes that like this is all they do like year-round that's what it's that's what it's about like how was that was that like a was it a was it like a almost like a shock to the system, like this is this is the real first, thing.
0: Listen, first of all, walking around campus, I lost fifteen pounds within the first month I was there just <laughs> trying to get to class. Cause uh Austin's like UT is sitting in the middle of downtown, right, pretty much, and it's hilly. And I just remember when I first time I went home, mom dad was looking at me like, what you doing? I'm like nothing. It are like, why you lose so much weight? I'm like, cause I gotta walk. <laughs> I'm like I gotta walk everywhere. <laughs> But when you get there, they give you like some time to adjust before you actually have to go to practice. So we actually like like the first month or so, you don't have practice just yet. But we have meetings and then we have to do like orientation um and all those things. But when practice got here, I remember she was like, All right, we have a two time mile trial, a time two mile time trial. And I'm like, Oh dang, y'all got to run two miles. So coach, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm the only thrower on the team. I'm the only thrower. I'm like, there's no way she's about to make me do two miles. And she was like, oh no, you're running two miles too. I'm like, two miles where? Like, like, what? Where we going? so, (laughs) So they took us to this field called IF Field, and it's just field after field after field, like soccer field, football fields. And then you run one lap around it, it's one mile. So we had to run two laps, and that was my first day of practice. (laughs) <laughs> and i'm like this is crazy like does she know i throw like i don't understand why i gotta run two miles but then the next day we had like a practice on the track and we had this thing called a hurdle warm-up now hurdle warm-up i thought was the workout so i did all that i'm like oh we done now can i go throw she was like oh no that was just the warm-up you still got I got. I <laughs> like a voice. Like I'm not in that type of shape. Like when I told you I was tired, your girl was tired. It was it was different, and we had six o'clock weights, and we had to do all this stuff, and just trying to stay on top of your workout and keep up with everybody. And I'm like, this is not fair because everybody else run. This is what they do. I don't do that. Yeah. But it was probably like the best experience for me because um what people don't know is that I was always the alternate for our four by ones and four by fours.
1: Get down.
0: I would line up on the line just like them. I have my own pair of spikes. I knew how to set up the blocks. I knew how to do all that. She taught me all that. And so when I got on, when I went professional on the circuit and I'm gonna have to go do sprints, they were always looking like, Michelle, you could actually run. I'm like, I know, like I was an alternate. I went to a school with sprinters. I should know how to run. (laughs) And I remember, (laughs) so um I'll save the story for another day. We'll talk about this another day on how I almost had to run an all-out 400 at NCAAs.
1: Get down.
0: We'll talk about that another day. That's crazy. But like literally like I I pushed my body so hard during that time um, and because in how our coach coached us was like, you have to give hundred percent. You have to go all out. If you wanna be the best, you be the best at practice. And then you could be the best at the track meets. And she will always come up with new ways. So I learned how to push myself. I learned how to take care of my body. I learned how to do things that were appropriate to where I was going. So my college years really kind of shaped um, my mindset and shaped me um, to be prepared for being a professional athlete
1: when did you when did you decide like how does that because i don't know how that works in regards to um to track and field and i don't know if a lot of people know how it works you know they they see baseball you get drafted football basketball that kind of stuff in college how does it work um in regards to you deciding that you want to be a professional track and field athlete
0: you just go to a professional track meet pretty pretty much. Really? Like once, you, once you're done with college, because we normally go through the college system because there is like this time of development, a lot of track and field athletes need because it's not like you can come and be on the practice squad yeah it's either you got to come top three makes a team either you make the team or not so by the time you come out professionally you need to be ready to compete professionally because the spots are limited it's not a team like that where you have backup after backup and everybody it's not like that so um once you pretty much are done with college and you have no eligibility you're considered you can be considered professional um, at this moment, even though we still are working on how we wanna define our professionalism within track and field and how there should be some levels to it. But if you could enter yourself into a track meet and you get prize money, you're considered professional at that moment. So um, so the minute I gave, gave up my, well, not gave up, I graduated from college and I entered into my first track meet and I got paid, like I'm now a professional athlete.
1: Wow. So that's crazy. Like I wish other like sports would look at it like that, like a developmental phase, because too many people like you know you see them they try to leave early for, foot, for football, for basketball, baseball, stuff like that. But that's 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 cool because like, but that's also says something about the caliber of athletes that actually go professional. And like if because like, you just said there's not a lot of spots, so you either gotta like you're honestly putting all your eggs in one basket and just like yeah here we go you know Pretty and much. that's crazy so you enter your first meet and you end up being you end up winning you end up being a professional like how does how do you get signed by somebody after that because you know like you get an agent yeah. and stuff like that.
0: So normally what happens when you come out of college, you're supposed to be like the number one person in college and then Nike, Adidas, A6, all the top name brands are there and you most likely will get offered a, a sponsorship deal at NCAAs, right? Is illegal, uh, not illegal, because once you finish <laughs> that meet your um your once you finish that meet, your eligibility is up, your senior year, then you you qualify to, to be professional. Now, that didn't happen my senior year. I did not have a good senior year. Um, I, was, I was trying to graduate. I told Texas, I can give you no more than four years. Let me hurry up and get up out of here. I was taking uh, 19, 20-hour semesters, and my sports suffered my senior year. And so when I went professional, I had to move back home and train. And I won the Olympic trials, and I still didn't have a sponsorship and i was just like well that kind of sucks but i finished 15th in 2008 so i was thinking okay well i got to get at least in the top eight in the world top 10 at least and let's see what happens so i come back in 2009 at world championships and i finished sixth place at world championships and we were in berlin and that was like the highest an american woman had ever finished at world championships in my event so that kind of like build up some steam and then while i was there at that track meet i got called to do the espn body issue the very first one
1: I saw that while I was at cool. that
0: yeah so I was just like oh like there's some It's like when you do good this what happens and then so after that meet I actually did ended up signing with Nike um that year I got an agent um, I actually kind of met my agent in China last the year before and um and she was like well when you're ready or you thinking about it give me a call and I ended up going with her she's still my agent today shout out to Karen Locke and hey. um Actually, she lived out in California. Oh, yeah? um, Yeah. But so that's kind of how it would happen. And I was kind of the more I competed, the more I was able to get paid. And the higher I finished, the more money I made. Well, that's cool. So That's kind of how it works. Like you just don't get a salary, right? The more you do, um, the higher you place, the more money you get.
1: It's almost like uh, it's kind of like entering opens in, uh, in golf. So like you on the you on the tour now. It's not like, you know, so you win, you know, depending on where you place, that's the amount yeah. of money amount of money you make. So yeah. I know everybody's probably wondering too, how many Olympics have you gone to?
0: I've gone to three that I competed in. Okay. But I've technically been to four Olympic Games.
1: Okay, four like, Go. <laughs>
0: I, been, oh, I went to the Olympics in 1996 and I was, I don't know how old I was, but we went to Atlanta because my godfather was competing um, for Great Britain in discus. So my godfather uh, yeah. is Robert. You know Robert Rear. Yeah, you know Robert. Robert. Yeah. So Robert and <laughs> my dad went to college with each other. So he was still competing. So my dad was like, well, I'm going to take the family. We packed up the van. We drove out to Atlanta. We stayed in the house in the middle of the woods with all these deers. And we did all kind of stuff that trip but i don't remember nothing but actually going to the olympic games like that's all i remember the usa house was the coca-cola house that had coca-cola coming out the water fountains like it was like i thought i was in heaven you got all these olympic pins i'm meeting all these athletes and i thought it was the coolest thing ever and my parents and it's funny because dede came to me one day yeah remember when we went to atlanta um that one time and we went to this mall i was like what mall she said, we went to this mall in Atlanta and we did this and we did that. I was like, I don't remember nothing but the Olympics. <laughs> like wow. That was the only thing I remembered. So it was crazy. So I, I competed in three, but I've been to four. That's crazy. Did not,
1: didn't know that. Didn't know you went to four. No, you went to three, but that's that's yeah. that's, that's, that's cool. So how is it? And and I mean, I want to know too, cause you know, like I said, it, it's, it's so crazy. Like you're my cousin, we live in the moment. But and and I just see you as, I see you as I see you as Michelle. Um, I see you as I see you as your real oh, your I about to say go on, go on, go on,
0: go and say it, go on and put it out there, because it's gonna see come out. It's
1: still your That yes. was your nickname. Um, it's still my nickname. Still your your mama still say it. My yeah, mama still
0: saying. It.
1: Oh, <laughs> it ain't going but,
0: nowhere.
1: <laughs> but like when when I when I see what you're like it, when I see what you're doing out like internationally. I'm just like dang like, it, it doesn't it's so crazy it really it doesn't hit me like I'm like wait a minute like this is legit like this ain't like you know <laughs> you know and, yeah. and, and it, it, it even it even it, it blows me away just because I know I know you and I know how I know you you know and I know how hard yeah. you work and I know you know just like everything that you put into this but yet you still like, you're still so grounded. Like you're still so like personable. Like it's like, like I've met arrogant athletes like who were trash, like who were legit trash. Like, okay, I don't even know why you're arrogant because you're still on the bench. (laughs) Like you ain't, you know, you haven't moved. Your jersey and your uniform is spotless. Like shut up to me. But then, like, then there's you, who's like accomplished, and like everybody knows who you are. But yet, like, you're the most, like, down to earth, like humblest person that you know that I know. Like, like how, you know, you go on the three Olympics and you you won, you won gold, um, in the last one you were in, and like. I think that's just like really, really amazing um, that you have um, a representative of the world, um, you know what I'm saying? The the USA specifically that, you know, is so humble. And so, you know, just in a sense, honored to, to have done what you've done. I think that's just like, that's really cool. So, like, even that journey, like, how does that, like, like that's just like that's crazy because that's like the pinnacle, like that. And yeah. you know, like, how does that, how does that feel? Like, what was your, like, in a sense, like, you knew, okay, I've done track, I've done college track, I've been competing in all these different games and stuff like that. Like, how do you get, how do you get mentally ready, um, for an Olympics, like?
0: How is that yeah. process? Um, I It's funny, cause I was just asked this question on one of my Airbnb sessions. And for me, I take it one year at a time. Like even people are like, it's every four years. Like you only like, but I still have so much to do within one year. So I don't really think about it. Like I have four years to get ready. I have, I don't have like a four year plan. I have four one year plans. Because we What's have right? world championships the year before and the year after the Olympics. And then we have one year where we still have a track season, but no major track, um, um, championship. And so with that, I just plan for the year. So if I could just continue to get better every year and the year that's done becomes the new foundation for the next year. And so I'm just keep building these layers and layers on top of each other and just improving every single year. And, um, and that's how I get ready because if I start thinking in the long term, like it's really hard to say where you're going to be four years from now when you don't know what's gonna happen next year, right? For 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 sports, right, for this type of situation you can say this is where i want to be but a lot of things could happen if you had like a really big year whatever goals you thought you had all of them just changed because you just started to have this pr and you're like oh well maybe i'm better than what i thought because you can't go out there and be say i just want to win gold like you have to go out there and really um well you can say i want to win gold let me take that back you can say that but four years from now how are you going to get there? You just don't know. You just don't know. You can plan all you want to, but how life happens, things happen. And then when you talk about what makes me humble, like I realize I am no better than anybody else. I can't do nothing that no one else can do. It's really based off all the decisions and choices you make and how you choose to handle what happens to you in life. And. I can be down just like the next person can be down and I can be up one minute just like the next person could be up one minute. I'm no different than you. I just have different talents um, than you do. You can, you decide how you wanna be the champion in your life while I decide how I'm gonna be the champion in my life. And so that's kinda how I, I, I kinda think about it all because trying to see the whole picture is too much. It's too much and each year is so different. But if I take each year, and build off of each year as the new foundation, then all I can do is show up as my best when the time comes. That's cool.
1: Do you look at life like that too? Cause that's, that's good. Like uh, that, that, that totally helps me because I'm, I'm always, it feels like I'm always a stress basket and I'm like, okay, let me see, I got to have this year plan. I got to have this five year plan, this, this, and like, I, you stress yourself out because one bump in a row and you and you think that it's a ripple effect on the next two three years but i love yeah. i love what you're saying it's just like taking it like this is the year i'm gonna worry about uh i'm going worry about or or i'm gonna focus on this year um and it kind of goes hand in hand with, with that one scripture that says you know don't worry about tomorrow tomorrow has enough problems of its own yes you know i like just we pulled
0: could, it up too yeah <laughs> we can
1: put that in context and be like stop worrying about the next four years they have yes. enough problems of their own focus on they do focus on 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 like today um because today is what's in front of you how do you feel how do you feel your faith has has forged who you are um you know mm-hmm. as a as a you know as a as a as a woman as an athlete as like a super high caliber athlete as an olympian um but then just you know like like how did how do you feel that your faith has forced you into
0: being yes new? So I do want to reference the verse, the passage that we were just talking about is Matthew 6, 25 to 34. I'm not going to read it all because it's talking (laughs) about don't worry. Like the first verse talks about, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not if not life more than food and the body more than clothes and then at the end verse 34 is what romey was uh, speaking to was therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble on its own so like (laughs) knowing that alone like when we're talking about faith is um you okay we're gonna rewind because 2016 had it was a year of really building my faith in general because um, the year I thought I was gonna have like a flawless year and it was gonna be perfect. And that's how I was gonna win the gold medal. Like. God threw a monkey wrench in there and he was like, now what you gonna do? And I'm like, dang it, like what, you know? So I ended up getting hurt. I had a herniated disc in my back and I had started out with the year, it was amazing. I won indoor nationals, won indoor world, set a new indoor American record. Your girl was on fire. I'm like, this fight, like, thank you, Lord. You coming through for your girl. Three weeks after that, I wake up, can't walk, can't sneeze, can't cough, can't use a bathroom, can barely walk in pain with a herniated disc in my back three months before the Olympic trials. And I am just like, this is how you gonna do me, Lord. Like I've been I've been good. You know, I'm a good Christian. I try to do the best. I've been working really hard, Jesus. So why this why now? Right? And so walk by faith just kept coming to me walk by faith and you like walk by faith like what does walk by faith really mean and that's what I asked myself and I'm like you know what I'm just going to start reading all the scriptures about faith I'm going to start looking up every sermon I can find on YouTube about faith and I'm just going to start listening see if something will catch my attention and so when we're talking about faith is faith is um like believing in something that you don't see as if it's already done right so i can't remember how my pastor said he was like the evidence of things that you don't see but you act as if it is already there pretty much same thing i can't really say how he said it because yeah
1: and that's how hebrews that's how hebrews kind of puts it uh the evidence of things not seen like the substance of things hopefully. for evidence things not not seen seen. yes
0: so it's there it's there (laughs) yeah and so it's like okay i'm trying to get from point a to point b And point B, I'm believing that God had really put in my spirit that I could win gold medal, right? Now, I'm walking, trying to get to point B, doing all my workouts, working really hard. And then all of a sudden, I get hurt. And I'm like, dang, this point B just started moving and moving further away. And I'm like, so now how am I supposed to get? I got to walk by faith. And I'm like, Lord, but you said I was going to win. I can't win with a broke back. But then he was like, but I'm God. And I'm like, all right, like if you're God, then if you're the God that you say you are and then how the Bible talks about you, if you're that type of God, if I never touched a shot put from this day that I got hurt until the Olympic trials, I could win the Olympic trials because that's the kind of God you are. You said you can do all things I can do anything that you the God of the time and the universe, you decide if I roll the dice, you decide how they're going to roll. So if that's the kind of God you are, then okay, cool. I'm going to trust that what you said in your word is true about you. And I need you to come through for your girl. And so, and then I said, if you don't, if I don't touch another shot put from the Olympic trials until the Olympic games, I can still win because that's the type of God you are. And so I'm like, at this moment, if you want me to believe as if it's already done, I am going to act as if I am. So I didn't start walking around saying I'm an Olympic gold medalist. I didn't say that just soon like that, like at, at that moment, I would say that my goal is to win. And I started to embody the characteristics of an Olympic gold medalist. If I want to be the Olympic gold medalist, I have to act like as if I am going to be one day an Olympic gold medalist goes to practice, they don't skip out on their workouts, they go to bed, they eat properly, they take care of their body. So I have to embody these characteristics of where I say I wanna go. And because a lot of people think, well, if it's faith, you just sit there and let God do all the work. I have to actually show God that I trusted you said that I was gonna actually be there. So he wants to see through my actions that do I really believe him? Because it's like, I don't have to really give him something to work with, but he wants to see my actions so that I, so he knows that I trust him enough to act as if it's already done so he can start working out everything in between.
1: That is awesome that hit hard because that's like that that is you summed up the history of faith in the Bible and just exactly what you said because it was the same mm-hmm. story of Abraham um, when God said hey pack your stuff um, pack your family up all this stuff I'm, I'm moving you to a place that you don't know but yeah. I promise you I'm gonna make you uh, the father of many nations and he yeah. got up and moved and um, Not knowing where he was going, but trusting the one that said it. And it's the same thing like with you, like you just said, it's like, if I believe who you said you are, I have to act on what your word says. And I've never heard, I've never heard uh, the scripture, um, faith without works is dead, brought to life like you just brought it. Like that is real. Like I've never I've never thought about it like that. If I believe you say if I believe who you say you are and and what you're saying, then I need to move in that direction. And like you said, that makes so much sense because like so many people are out there with this with this wishful thinking, blind type faith, like, all right, God, you said, you know, you said I don't have to be in poverty. I'm just gonna lay here and hope a sack of hundred dollar bills hit me in the face. (laughs) Right. that's what they do but it's, it's do. like no but like you said it you was like I might feel like this but how does an olympic how does an olympic gold medalist act they get up and they go to practice they take care of themselves they do the right thing they don't just sit down and just say I'm olympic gold medalist you know that is that's huge that's huge
0: listen I just I just feel like When we talk about walking by faith, it's really hard to think about it sometimes because I know I struggled with it, you hear it but it's like how exactly do you do that right and sometimes it's like um. I will give another example of how I walk by faith. Like there's been times when, especially after I had got hurt, money was a little low. And then you go kind of panic when you be like, ooh, I don't know what next month gonna look like. I ain't competed in a little while. You know, my contract a little shaky right now. And, um, but then God says like, I take care of the bees and the birds in the field. Why would I not take care of you? Yeah. And then I'm be like, okay, Lord, like I'm not even gonna worry about it. You say you're going to always take care of me. So I'm just going to keep doing, I, I, you know, but I do have to work on being uh, a responsible steward <laughs> over my stuff. Right. You ain't going to be out trying to, I, I'm still working on that. I'm not always responsible, same, same but anyway. but I know that I don't have to worry about it because just when I think I ain't got nothing left, something comes through, yeah. like all of a sudden I'll get a gig that's going to pay and take care of things for the next two or three months you know, or this little stuff are popping up. And that to me, that's God. It's not happening by chance. Nothing happens by chance. God is in control of everything. So every time when I feel like I'm not going to have enough and something comes through for me, I know that's God letting me know that he got me. Yeah. So I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. And even when things get hard, it's not hard because he wants me to suffer. It's hard because he's trying to set up other things. So when he blesses me, it's more than what I ever thought of and I can bless somebody else through the process. Yeah. Because it's not all about me and what I want. He provides for me so I can show others his grace and mercy because now that, I'm able to bless others.
1: Yep. And that right there. And like just, you know, knowing like what you went through uh the year you won, um, and you're like, Okay, what in the world? Like why, why, why? It reminds me of um the story of when, when Jesus and his disciples saw the beggar out front, uh, he was blind. yeah. And the first thing the apostles started asking Jesus is that, what did he do? What did he do so wrong? Like, you know, what did his family do? Because back in that culture, um, yeah. they believed that if you had any kind of affliction, illness, something, you must have sinned. And that's yeah. why this stuff is, this, the bad stuff is happening. But Jesus was like, nah, I didn't even like that. He, he was blind for this long because the world gets to see what I'm about to do. About to do, yeah. and, and And that, like like when you were talking about everything you was talking about, that brought me to that story because it's like, it's, it's so funny. I don't know if you remember, but that year we had talked and I was like, how do you feel? And he was like, I feel great. Everything's great. Like, I think I can win it. Like, because I'm yeah. healthy. And then I remember telling some friends that I remember telling you know telling my dad that I was like oh she good like she's healthy she's good she's good she's yeah. good. And then after you won, and I talked to you and I was like, you made it through healthy and then you won and then you was like, no I was hurt. <laughs> I was hurt.
0: I it was, was when, so hurt. It's it was that
1: night. It was that night we went uh, when we came to visit you downtown. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then that's.
0: Oh, when we, we, we went to P. O. Chains. Yeah, that night. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. I was like, man, that was.
0: Listen, Let, I was just like when when it was all said and done i just remember thinking like god really like this is how you gonna do this but then even then like in everything he is on purpose right everything you do is on purpose so what i get the most is not that oh i remember the night that you win i what people say to me about the most i remember what you said about your faith Yes. and what you went through that year and I and it's crazy every time you kind of forget about it I remember going to a basketball game and my home girl is uh um, is the DJ for the Dallas Mavericks so she was like sis I come out to a game I got you I'm like cool so I came out to a game I'm sitting next to these people and then she called me she's like they're gonna break the camera they're gonna show you on the screen I'm like all right <laughs> cool I'm glad I had I was cute that day <laughs> and so um They come, they show the camera like, Olympian, Michelle, gold medalist, Michelle Cardi is here. And everybody's like, oh, like cool. And then the lady next to me, she said, I thought you looked familiar. And she was like, I just didn't want to say anything. She said, I couldn't place where I knew you from. She said, but I just have to tell you, she said, you winning was great and everything. She said, but your story about your faith. She said, that's what made me see you, See you was your story about your faith. And it's funny because I don't know this lady from the next person. I'm at a game with my husband in support of my home girl and support of the home team. And she was like, oh yeah, I remember you, but not from what I think you think it is, it's because of what she said. And I'm like, that is crazy. Because I realized that that moment of me winning was way bigger than me it was bigger so, than me and true. so a lot of times we forget that how connected we are in life to each other and we yes. think that every everything that we do affects us but the things you don't do affects others more than it affects you that's true no, because no, that some is. people can't be delivered until you do your part in life until you reach your fullest potential, until you're obedient to God's word, then people actually know what it is to be obedient, know what it is to be faithful, know what it is to go out there and be everything and um, that God created you to do and be good stewards of this earth. Like, it, it's, it's crazy to me. And the more I keep talking about it, it just really, it puts more responsibility on me to make sure that I'm doing my part because I am a representative of, of Christ. Yeah. And, um, and I know that, the better I am the more I get to bless other people with what he has blessed me with and I can't just be selfish for myself like if I'm so for myself then God's like then why would I bless you and you're not really about my work right so yeah. I can't be selfish with what he's given me I have to share it because that's what he wants us to do
1: yeah and that's I think that's uh wow that's just no that's powerful just like looking at that and and hearing what you're saying and knowing who you are but then knowing that it's not just talk so you've been doing some cool things like offline to outside of uh outside of competing you know throwing cannonballs at people and winning <laughs> gold medals not
0: cannonballs.
1: <laughs> um but like you do you do a lot of a lot of cool things um outside tell us about like uh a lot of your foundations and nonprofits that you got going on.
0: Yes, so um, you know your girls are speaker, So if you're looking for someone, um, Black History Month is coming soon, and Women's History Month. I'm both. Um,
1: yes,
0: <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, I have a girls' camp called Youth Throw Girls Sports Confidence Camp, where we help young female athletes to be confident in who they are on and off the field. Um, and so I really love that. We're going into our is this the fifth year? It's about to be the fifth year of you, Throw Girl. It's just crazy. It's, it's the fifth throw year. Throw Girl, baby. that's awesome. It's the fourth year. It's fifth year. It, it was. It is fifth year. So that's, I, I love, that's my baby right there. That's something that, like, what it is now is nothing what it's going to be in the future. I can't wait to build this thing out the way that I see it in my mind. But um, we're excited about that. Um, I do have a nonprofit called um, One Golden Shot, and at One Golden Shot what we do is we actually raise money to give girls scholarships to attend the camp because it's a weekend camp and we do all kind of activities. We not just do sports, but I have um, goal setting. We do vision boards we have we do etiquette classes i take them to a fancy dinner they get dressed up we do makeup lessons like we have a self-defense class like we do all kind of different things um with them so we raise money to give those girls the opportunity to come to camp um from all over the country um as well as we um feed um track teams here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, because I go to these track teams and the schools don't have enough money to buy the snacks for the kids. And they're out there for five to six, seven, eight hours a day with no no food. And so uh, what I've been able to do is just raise some money. So this year will actually be the first year we'll be able to give some schools some money. Um, Not actually money. We actually are just going to go buy the snacks for them and have it for them. So that when they have the track meets, they have food to fuel their body so they can be their best. Um, And then the third thing that um, uh, One Golden Shot does is we have a program called I'm Supported, is where we are um, raising money to help buy proper sports bras for female athletes. Um, cause you know, some girls are just more blessed than others <laughs> and, and <laughs> the more blessed you are, the more it costs and some, you know, sometimes people just don't have the resources or they don't even just have the knowledge of what to do in that situation. When you're blessed, you're just blessed. Right. But so, um, we want to help provide sports bras for young girls who don't have the resource to have that because the the worst thing to, for me to see is a young girl at attract me trying to compete but then she's trying to hold herself down because she don't have the proper um 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 equipment for her and um that wears on her confidence she can't go out there and be her best when she has all these things to worry about and then people are talking about it and looking at her like no i want her to feel confident and have the right support she needs so when she go out there and compete like she could go out there 100 percent because she's ready and she feels good about herself And so those are the three things that um, Youth Throw Girl do. Oh, another thing we do with the Youth Throw Girl um, Scholarship Fund is that um, we buy little things for our seniors. So our seniors who are graduating, um, this was the first time it happened this year because of pandemic, there was an adopted senior. And so one of my girls who attended my camp who was graduating, uh, she reached out to me because she never got picked up by anybody. No one like, sponsored her from her hometown or from her school. And so she said there's art that she that she needed a few things for school. And she was like, I hate to ask you, but I know my parents can't afford everything. And I wanted to see if you was willing to adopt me. And you know, that that broke my heart, oh, wow. right? And I was like, oh, like I cannot let her go to school without anything that she needs. So she sent me over a list. I got most of the things on her list for her and I mailed it to her. Because you know, that's what we do. I wanna make sure these girls or going to school confidently like she got a track scholarship that's what we do right so i wanted to make sure that she had everything that she needed or at least most of what she needed um to go to school like i sent her snacks i sent her like wipes and disinfectant spray i got her little toiletry stuff like just bought her an abundance of things because i I know you're going to need when you get to college so we do that for the girls who attend our camp who might need that extra support when they get to that next level
1: that's cool so you are uh you are actively actively changing changing lives you're not just talking about and i think that's one of the one of the coolest things um you know especially knowing about you and knowing who you are it's like you are not about the talk um you are all about business you actually you you put your you you I, i say you you kind of put your feet to where your faith is, like you move, you yeah. you're, you you don't just sit around and do nothing. And I and I appreciate that, and I know the world appreciates that too, knowing that they that there's somebody out there that truly uh, represents them and is is really trying to do stuff to change the world and and the way that. Uh, You know society can be hard on people but really just trying to to trying to help out folks and i think that that's cool what you're doing you know definitely what you're doing with you throw girl and all the all the things um that come with that i think that's i think that's great um
0: yes thank you
1: (laughs) so uh is there anything else you want to let us know because we've been going um, so I know yeah, we yeah. have
0: to go, and I'm sitting here thinking like we might have to make this a two-parter. We'll see how <laughs> what it looks like. That may be part A, part B, yeah, part one, yeah, part yeah. two. But uh, I know. I think you covered a lot. You know, it's it's just it's crazy. The more I I talk about my story and the things that come to my mind, and um and how I feel like the Holy Spirit really kind of points out different things at different times. Because sometimes yeah. you don't even see your story. The way that you should, until you start talking about it, and then someone says something, and then you get that 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 vision or something will flash across your heart or in your mind. You're like, oh dang, I didn't even see it that way, right? And yeah. so, like, so I enjoy having these conversations. So thank you, cuz we had a good time.
1: No, this was fun. Like, you know, like it helped me. Like, especially your your definition, and I didn't definition. I wouldn't even say definition, but what you actually did like you broke down faith without works is dead to me just your life your life your life broke it down and ex- and explained yeah. it way better than I could I could ever imagine um, but it is funny because it actually went parallel with what happened in the bible with Abraham and I think that you know when you see when you see yourself stepping out and doing exactly what the men and women that we read about uh, who has this relationship with God doing and you see that No, just doing it, just trusting them and obeying uh, goes a long way, and it 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 really does. You know, we try to we try to justify not doing the right thing and just saying, "I still have faith in God, I still trust You, God." But to see someone say, "No, I have faith in You, God, and I'm not gonna sit on my behind and do nothing. If I have faith in You, you know,
0: I'm
1: I'm a I'm a walk. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just go and not be afraid. I'm gonna just go." And I think like yeah. uh, that's that's huge. So just being able to have this conversation with you and learning um, more and more about you, um, it's been it's been a, it's been a blessing to me. So I know it's, I know it's I know it's going to bless the people that hear this. So it's been cool. Thanks, Cuz.
0: Thank you, thank you, Cuz. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Yeah. Well, thank y'all for tuning in. Um, Questions and comments to hey the podcast at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you and we will talk to you all next time.
1: Talk to you. See you
0: later. Bye. Bye bye. Peace. <laughs>